0: So nice of you to join us. Could I offer you a goblet of blood?
1: to cocktails and comics a third degree burn show my name is brian hughes and i am starting a new drink here that's a red's wicked apple uh cider and uh got the usual group of miscreants here minus david thompson he couldn't make it just uh a rough rough week but uh, I think we've all kind of had rough weeks. So we got at
2: home washing his tights.
1: <laughs> and that's Kurt Greenfield right there and I'm sure I he started it. drinking his juicy juice early.
2: But that's he... what no. I do. and i have not having a cocktail for you.
1: <laughs> and then we got Tim over here. Hey Tim, Tim Elliott.
3: Hey, hello. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm actually drinking a nice hot cup of Irish tea with honey and a little bit of soy milk. Mm.
1: Boy, that sounds appetizing.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, John. Hey, hey, hey. It's John
1: Hyatt. And what's John drinking tonight?
4: Uh, well, I had a giant margarita earlier tonight, so I'm cooling it down. I'm being responsible. <laughs> I am having a nice cup of Dutch coffee. Mm.
3: Ooh. Well, that's nice. Where do, you get, where do you get that Dutch
4: coffee? I uh, I have it imported. I get it from an importer. Really? Yeah. How's hmm. it different than other coffees? Dutch. To well, it, it's just <laughs> it, it's just the way they roast it. Uh, it's it's called da, dalla Egberts, and uh, it's just a the way they roast it's a little bit different than other places, so uh, it's kind of comforting. It's not uh, like Loopy
1: Coac, loop. is it?
4: Uh, no, Well, the next time we're in San Diego, you got to brew a cup of that for Fanula.
3: Okay, we'll oh, it we try do. it. We'll do.
1: Yeah. Now, have any of you ever tried Loopy Coac coffee? Never heard I don't of it.
4: Drink
3: coffee,
4: so
1: okay. It's about six hundred dollars a pound.
4: Is that is that where they uh, let monkeys the monkey eat the beans and it they does. keep yeah. it out, and it? that's where they get it from?
1: Yeah, it says civet crap coffee. Yeah. Yes. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm wondering who it was that got the great idea. Let me try this monkey crap.
4: Yeah. Well, John, how how, how do you know that the Dutch aren't doing that with their coffee beans? Uh, well, because the Dutch are a lot smarter than to do something like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, they get it from the goats. <laughs> 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 oh man. Now I had I had a Smirnoff Ice earlier, and now I'm doing the Reds Wicked. And and uh, we, before we uh, got on, we were talking about. Um, uh, I was talking about buying my drinks over at uh, Winco, because they've got this whole section that's just 40 ounce alcoholic beverages. So they got like the Reds Wicked, they've got the Smirnoff Ice, they've got the 40 ounce beers, and they got Schlitz malt liquor. Now, what was it that Billy D. Williams did the? Did the? He did Schlitz. He did Schlitz. Yeah, he did that's, Schlitz. That's right. And it was the 40 ounce. that just became so popular. I think because of him. But uh, that's that's what I was thinking about there. Anyway, what's our subject tonight? I mean, we're getting really close to Halloween, and I'm so ready. I don't know if you guys are aware. Every year here at the Hughes House, uh, we try to do uh, the this special thing where we serve hot dogs to the parents and everybody in the neighborhood. Uh, we, we get out the grill and everything and get out all the stuff, lay out tables and uh, have chili and all the condiments and everything, even relish for those that are freaky enough to put that on their hot dogs. <laughs> we grill up onions and all that, and we got all that going. My wife has added a number of things over the years. Um, last year, we acquired uh, a, a, one of those large industrial popcorn machines like you'd see at the uh, movie theater, or, uh, you know, what, any place that does any kind of uh, popcorn uh, distribution. <laughs> but uh, and and Christopher ran that last year, and that was really really good. Um, my wife has now purchased a, a cotton candy machine, hmm. and she is shopping for a snow cone maker now. Oh. and I, I'm just like, what? I mean, what are we turning into the state fair? I mean, I I've well, got didn't... I got a fryer, so I could I could deep fry Oreos or beer or whatever. But corn dogs, corn dog. Uh, yeah, corn no, dogs. It's, no Twinkies.
3: Deep fried deep, Twinkies. Deep fried delicious. Twinkies.
1: Yeah, I, actually, I tried that, and I um, they they actually served that at Six Flags last year. Uh, deep fried Twinkies and deep fried Oreos, which I, I really liked. Someone said they're serving deep
3: fried butter out at the State Fair. I think that's been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife had, which I found a bad idea, she had an idea of it should be a restaurant that serves nothing but state fair food. Just all mm-hmm. that fried junk they come up with every year.
1: Well, you know, I've got a business plan put together for a, uh, a fast food restaurant, a drive-through fast food restaurant uh, that serves only finger foods. Uh, things that the driver of a vehicle could eat without making a mess because where fast food fast food's concerned drivers are always the ones getting screwed yeah you know if you get tacos you get burgers or i know kirk we'll get there in just a second uh but you know it's like every one of those things is you know messy for the driver and i just thought you know since the driver's typically the one pulling into these places especially if they're going to and from work you should make finger foods that they can eat and of course a lot of the good finger foods are fried and chicken nuggets. I, yeah, well, chicken nuggets, but I was going to make, like, meatballs filled with sauce or, you know, chicken nuggets filled with sauce rather than having to dip it in something. And then um, I had an idea for uh, grilled cheese and, and tomato soup in a special dipping cup. <laughs> I was going to call the place Finger Bites. And, uh, you know, anyway, so you know, that was just one of those fun things.
4: Now. Uh, well, before, before we get to going into things, okay. we should have... A quick moment to remember Hagrid.
1: Oh God! Uh, Troy, yeah. I heard that yeah, today. That, that broke him.
4: my heart today. Probably Coltrane.
1: Uh, yep. You know, I mean, aside from James Bond, I mean, and and not, I, I mean, I was thinking James Bond beyond Hagrid. Um, and then there was what was it? Richard III that he was in uh, the Kenneth Branagh Shakespearean production. Oh,
3: I don't know. Um, I, I think the first thing I saw him in was he did a show called Cracker. I think he played a Yeah.
1: Pop. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. Golly. I mean, it it's just it's it breaks the heart. Um, he he showed up in the Pierce Brosnan and James Bond movies and I really liked his character in there and I really wanted to see them use him more. And the second time he shows up they kill him off. <laughs>
3: and yeah I, Well I think you can read that that he's not definitively dead. He does he slumps to the floor, but is he, is he really dead? He, he he is. Yeah, he. Well, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he is.
4: Uh...
3: John, no, uh, no love for Angela Lansbury.
4: Well, Ooh. she was next. Yeah, witch who fought Nazis. <laughs> yeah. So, rest
3: in peace. That's right, she was in. But uh, she's in sound of music. Is that what you're referring to about fighting Nazis? No, bad knobs and broomsticks. Oh, they fought Nazis in that. I've seen that film. but I don't remember the Nazis. It's been a long time. Been yeah, long time. it's been a long time.
4: So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it, sad sad week this week. You
2: heard about the uh, character who was so upset about, um, about um, Angela Lansbury dying that they, they threw themselves off um, the ledge and killed themselves too?
3: What? Seriously?
2: Chip. Chip was so upset that Miss Potts oh. was gone that he... <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's been quite a week.
1: Well, you know, know, I mean, the thing is, like, as as soon as she passed away, I started seeing all the memes and stuff all over again. How they said she was the you know, her character on Murder, She Wrote was the most brilliant serial killer ever. You know, she would go into a town, she would kill somebody, and then pin it on somebody else as part of her idea for a book. That's great. Which, of course that was that, <laughs> that was the plot of the very first Columbo that Steven Spielberg actually directed. His first directing job. So, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, after a while you kind of got to figure, you know. Woman mm-hmm. comes into town, somebody dies, and she goes, oh, they did it." And everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, they did it."
4: <laughs> That's good.
1: Ah, all right. Um
4: um, so let's move on. What yeah. are we going to talk about tonight? on This Halloween edition of cocktails and comics.
1: We're going to talk about Werewolf by Night. Woo-hoo. The TV, spe- Woo-hoo. the Mar- the Disney Plus Marvel TV special. This is their 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 Halloween special, and if uh, things go really well as far as download or, or streaming, uh, it's something they'll probably do every year. Uh, th- I had so much fun with this, and and. Um, just I, I found out about it only like a week before it came out. How about you guys? Were you aware of it?
3: I was oh, kind man. of vaguely aware of it, but I didn't know when it was dropping. It just suddenly showed up on Disney. I said, oh, let's watch this. But, and then
2: all of a sudden it had the buzz.
3: Yeah, but I think a lot of people, some of the reviews I've, I've been watching on YouTube, they didn't, same way it kind of snuck up on them. They did. It was just, just suddenly there.
1: Yeah, and I mean the the thing is like my wife of course is like okay tell me about these characters and I said okay that's the guy that Kirk and Spock met on the bus in Star Trek IV, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> the the uh, Jovan character played by Kirk Thatcher, and I mean it's just that's just one of those things that killed me the moment I saw him I said oh yeah that's that's the guy that shot the bird at Kirk and Spock, and my wife is like what and I said yeah on the bus in Star Trek IV remember Spock. Uh, put the neck pinch on the guy with the jam box, and she goes, "Oh yeah, say, yeah that's yeah that."
3: And it. he shows up again in season two of Picard. Yeah, uh, he's the same guy. He's the same character, same character. That's fact of the bad. matter fact, is, he's very apologetic, <laughs> from what I
2: hear. But uh, he's learned his lesson.
1: Yeah, but he's all he's played that same guy, um in uh, another another thing, I'm trying I'm pulling it up right now because uh, yeah I I'd, I'd heard that he had done it somewhere else. He's also like narrator on short tracks. He
3: looked real familiar to me, and I I didn't recognize him from that. But I he looked like a, there's a special effects makeup artist named Glenn, and I cannot remember his last name. And he works at a, or owns a company called Optic Nerve. Well, and the reason I know that is because he's a judge on Face Off, well, he, if you know the makeup show. He did
1: special effects on House and Gremlins in Star Trek Three. And Return Hmm. of the Jedi. Um, He also did work on RoboCop, E.T., and Poltergeist.
3: Interesting. So he's not really an actor. He's more of a behind-the-scenes guy. And he's a
1: director, too. Um, Let's see. And a producer. I mean, he is so big with
3: the Muppets. Everybody's a producer these days.
1: Yeah, but he is is really, really big with the Muppets, with the
2: Jim Henson group. I was very surprised to see him become such a force, And, and in my book, a terrifying force early on in this picture, I had not realized that he was going to be a murderous bastard. Um, you know what I'm well, saying? Well, I, I didn't, I didn't realize understand it was... the rules, but boy, when he makes his move, it's like, oh shit, they're all going to try to kill each other.
4: Well, it's <laughs> my
2: like
3: hey, a... say that. It's okay, Kirk, I'm writing it down. It's, um, it's almost became like a battle royale. I didn't realize they were all going to fight against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they go out there, and then suddenly it's—it was a lot like the Hunger Games. There's weapons out there. You got to go out and find them. You got to stop the your competitors.
2: Oh, see, I, um, you're right about Hunger Games. I was thinking more that what came to mind was the uh, the fourth Harry Potter book, the uh, the Goblet, Goblet of Fire. Fire? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: with yeah, the labyrinth
2: and the monster is loose there someplace.
1: Now, yeah. did anybody well, think should... that, that uh, Elsa Bloodstone was actually Jessica Jones? My wife was like, isn't it? Well,
3: I did. She thought I absolutely her... thought it was. I did.
1: It took me a little uh, bit cause to I realize, because but... when I looked her up and saw she was Elsa Bloodstone, I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. And, and I realized that you know, like Ulysses Bloodstone <laughs> was that guy. I always remembered him from Ohatmu. I never actually saw him in the books. And, and I think in Ohatmu, his entry was because he'd already died. I think yeah, he was in the Book in, of the
3: Dead. Uh, yeah, he was the Book of the Dead. Which is funny, because that's the way I knew him. And I knew about the Bloodstone only from... There's a series of uh, The Punisher, where he becomes Franken-Castle, where he... <laughs> I don't know what line it is. I think it's Garth Ennis, or was it... Um, gosh, I can't remember who was writing it. But he gets cut up by Wolver... Or Dokken, Wolverine's son, cuts him up. And then the Legion of Monsters find the potty parts, take him down this sewer, sew him back together, basically he's Frank and Castle. He teams up with them to fight a bunch of bad guys. And at one point he gets the bloodstone and at the end when he's defeated the, the bad guy, I know, who I can't remember it is now. Over a month the bloodstone slowly regenerates him, so until he becomes Frank Castle again.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I think that also had the daughter, uh, Elsa was in that. But, the yeah, know, was only in backup stories in Marvel Presents or The Hulk magazine stories. He was in some really obscure stuff in like 75, 76. Hmm. I was totally
2: unaware of him. Although I recognized the name on um, yeah. Bloodstone, I never read any of it. It was total blank to me.
3: Yeah, I didn't read any well, of I didn't remember that. him
2: didn't...
3: being... Yeah, I don't remember him being a monster hunter. But... I guess in the book he he's from the future. Well, I mean, his, his entry in there—he's wearing
1: like a white version of the of, of Wonder Man's safari jacket. Well, he's
3: he's kind of dressed like a safari. Yeah, yeah. Like a like some guy of a Tarzan movie.
2: Yep. So you but, figure he's a case, hunter of some in type. In case the audience, in case the audience has not already caught on, there are going to be spoilers. Oh yeah. Throughout this oh, yeah. discussion, there's no way to discuss this. Without us releasing spoilers, so Yeah. We should have put this disclaimer right up. Disclaimer right up well, on. we'll have it, it on the it's episode. It's called Werewolf
3: by Night, so yeah. Yeah. they knew that there was going to be a werewolf in it.
2: <laughs> okay, no, we just, you know, folks, if you haven't seen it, pause the podcast and go watch <laughs> it, because we're going to spoil it all. And, and it the is
1: a blast. Uh, I, I, it I, is. I, I, I haven't run across anybody that had a bad experience with it, and I've been talking to a lot of people. Uh, you know, in, in regards to that, and I, I got to give props to uh, all those that put this together. But um, I think what what's the the actor that played the werewolf, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal. Uh, you know, he's one of those actors that's been in a lot of stuff, but he's not you know so recognizable to me. I mean, he was in Mozart in the Jungle, and uh, was it Itumamba Tembiyan, uh, and I think he was in. Um, what was it? Uh, I can't remember what else there was. There was something else I'd seen him in. I think it was Salt and Fire or something along those lines.
2: But I, mean, I don't know
3: any of those films.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never seen him before either. So when I, they first showed him, and he had these sort of weird white face painting lines, yeah. kind of like war paint on, I couldn't make up my mind whether I was seeing... Um, seeing a mask or seeing special effects. Well, the, 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 What I immediately flashed on was the final well, final scene in Psycho where the skull is superimposed over the face of Anthony Perkins and just it's, for a few frames.
1: And it's good that you mentioned Psycho because like Psycho, this show was put together in black and white. It was presented oh, yeah. in black and white. And that really added a whole element of cool to it. That yep. that made atmosphere. it really enjoyable. Yeah, the atmosphere, a, the atmosphere. and really it especially helped, I think, with the werewolf effect that he had. Now his werewolf was a lot more along the lines of the the Lon Chaney um, or Michael Landon I was a teenage werewolf kind of look to it than what we've seen in modern day. Um, not like the Underworld or uh, uh, the the Wolf Man that uh, they did with uh, Benicio del Toro. Well, they well, well, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. more like I, I yeah. guess like Venetia. I actually
3: didn't get through that one. I did not like it. He's more, he's a little more hairy in the face, which is my big complaint because I love Werewolf by Night and mm-hmm. I like the design because it is very uh, reminiscent of Lon Chaney. With but he needs but when they when he finally transforms, they've got it. he have got him about ninety five percent right. Because his face is, has too much exposed skin, which I guess that's the. So we can recognize the actor more, but he looks a little more like uh, Universal's Worth of London, which yeah. is from 39, so that he has more of his face. He's not furry in the face. Um, if they'd done that, then they really had him, you know, they had the torn pants, they had everything else look spot on.
1: When he changed, um, the first thing that ran through my mind was. Um, I used to have these uh, little baseball cards but they're Universal Monster movie stuff. And they were all spooks so that it would have different captions, funny captions and whatnot. And the one on the werewolf, he's sitting there clutching his chest going, Ah, who put all the pepper on my eggs? <laughs> and it did, that's exactly what it made me think of seeing him like that.
3: I think I had those cards too.
2: <laughs> Was, wasn't, wasn't the transformation scene... So much in the shadows, or his shadow being projected on the wall mm-hmm. behind, and, yeah. and they, ca- they did a truck shot on Elsa Bloodstone, kind of cowering up against the cage bars, like not wanting to look at it, but not not being able to look away. And the camera just keeps closing in on her, very slowly, closer and closer as she's reacting to what she's seeing. I thought that was a brilliant move.
3: Yeah, it was Don't- great.
2: It Don't bring really your good. industry terms into this podcast, Kirk. I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, it was a slow push in, a slow zoom in, and it it, it unnerves you. It, 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 the the purpose of that shot, whenever the shot is tightened up slowly like that, is to increase the intensity, and it's done for emotional impact. Well,
3: if you learned anything from She-Hulk, the last episode of She-Hulk, it's not spoiling thing. It costs a lot less when it's done off screen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant, but we won't talk about that tonight. Yeah.
3: No, but you're right, Kirk. It's it's. You could tell they were really trying to lovingly craft this to look like the traditional Universal monster films. That's oh, so like why they
4: were doing. Yeah, They'd taken good notes. Um, and, and it wasn't just that they filmed it or. Or presented in black and white. I mean, a lot of the filming techniques, and and a lot of the 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 set and the staging was like that as well. Uh, The angles and the lighting and the lighting, especially. Yeah, it was really they really worked hard or really worked well to create that feeling yeah it was great and so it wasn't just oh we're gonna film this and then we're just gonna strip all the color out except for the red of the bloodstone no it was really it was really well done Uh, and I really enjoyed it because I love the universal monsters because that's what I grew up on Mm -hmm. uh, was that stuff as a kid and I love those those things and you know I was Kirk and I talked about it afterwards I watched it on Friday uh, and uh, we talked about those old monster mags that i used to read like famous mm-hmm. film famous film monsters or famous monsters of film land yeah yeah van and you know it's Vangoria and and you know there's still the magazine out it's still the scary monsters is still produced today after like 40 years um so it's really cool stuff and this was this was great i, I was really excited about it
3: I was Surprised at the amount of violence. It was pretty violent for a Disney Plus show. I mean, there wasn't a lot of blood, but when well, the hunters are, are kind of doing each other in, right. there but was... Right, it might have been a lot
2: of blood, but because it was in black
3: and white and dimly right, views, right. it's a, dimly lit. I yeah, mean, you yeah, it's implied violence. Two, the two of
1: the most vicious kills were done straight on camera, and it was the, the big reveal monster, which we can spoil here, who wants to say it? Man giant thing. size
3: man thing. We had a giant sized yeah. man
1: thing on screen. Ted Seles. That was
3: awesome.
1: Yes, yes. I, I was. But pleased. they never
3: call him man thing. They call him no. Ted. They call him Ted. Right. Yeah, which
2: <laughs> was even a joke better. in
4: itself.
3: That
2: no, was yeah,
4: pretty that's damn funny. His, uh, you know, Followed I by it, his name. What's his name? Ted. Like. And she had that look
1: like, really? His name's Ted? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, number one, they, they, they departed a little bit from the books in that, you know, in the books, Man-Thing was not an intelligent creature at all. It, you know, simply reacted to the emotion of things. And the other thing was, it was, the the funny part of it is that Ted Salis actually could willingly transform back and forth from Man-Thing to human if Man Thing actually had any kind of intelligence to actually think about it, but he didn't, and that was that was the curse oh, of it all. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, thought it was that. that was actually member, some, John Byrne was talking about that. He actually uh, watched it, uh, from what I could tell.
3: I wonder. Uh, that was my probably my two biggest quibbles with the the movie because I don't think my enjoyment was as high as y'all's. Y'all seem to have enjoyed it more. Uh, I don't like the way they, they altered Man-Thing so he was more of a kind of a buddy sidekick. You know, at, at the end, he's making coffee. That that Yeah. And it's some of that's the, the Marvel humor that they seem to be unable to leave out of anything. This would have been great if they hadn't had any humor and it had been just a straight, uh, played a straight horror film. And I know they want to introduce Man-Thing, but you could have done this just as well without him. Uh, just have nest the twist you know they're here to fight a monster and it turns out the monster is one of the guys posing as a monster hunter uh, and they never give his last name they just call him Jack but um, and I th- thought they made him a little kind of goofy I wish he would have been um, you know and they, they race swapped him which I thought so here, here's a Hispanic character his name is Jack Russell but they don't call him Jack Russell but why couldn't, you know, why could just left him as a, this California guy, blonde Californian that he was in the comics? And I know they had him teamed up with the because I know they formed the Legion of Monsters later, which I think the werewolf by night was part of that. When he became more I think eventually he became more werewolf like instead of like he was in the early days. And I want him to stick more to his run on the book when he's just a guy who can't control himself. And, you know, and he. He's not necessarily teamed up with the other guys, so I'd be nice if Man Thing was not in it, uh, or if they were hunting Man Thing and he didn't know he- they didn't know each other. You know, he wasn't there to rescue him. Huh. Sorry, that was my that's my big quibbles with the, with the movie, wow. show whatever we're calling it, it's really a one hour movie. Yeah,
4: yeah, no, uh, well, I get it. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed the little bit of humor, maybe making have a coffee and all that was kind of a little bit at the end but i think they're just trying to have like the Groot factor
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: you know so. yeah and that's that may
3: be a problem they're trying yeah. to replicate kind of Groot because it seemed that he could understand man thing one man thing was growling and i don't think he ever growled maybe i don't think he ever made any noise in the, in the books i didn't know he had a mouth but, you know yeah it i was, don't think he made a sound yeah other than his squishy sound when he was walking <laughs> um I mean, I will give him this. They got his design perfect. He looks exactly yes. like. And the um, effect like when Man he Day.
1: would some when he would touch someone that was afraid, that was that that and that's what I was talking about. You know, he did that twice, and when he did that woman and just pretty much melted her skull. You know, that was uh, very well, vicious.
3: Right. They didn't. They didn't establish that. You know, because in the books he did that accidentally. He didn't. He would just. That was a a reaction that you know if you had fear. And he would touch you, and you right. would—I don't think he'd burn that bad. But this seemed more like an attack. He was doing it on purpose. when He was grabbing people.
0: Mm.
3: So he had more agency. To your point, Brian, he was more a mindless kind of almost force of nature in the book.
1: Yeah, right, right. Now, um, one of the interesting aspects of this of this special is that it was directed by composer Michael Giacchino.
3: I heard that. That, that was. Interesting. It's a weird jump. Yeah. To uh to go from composer to director but
2: was there a music score with this? I don't remember. Um, I don't think so. They they played an so, old-time I mean, gramophone a couple of places, but I don't remember any music. Any incidental
1: music was uh, written by Giacchino, though.
3: Oh, that's okay. I'm sure i have he's... to watch it again. Yeah.
2: yeah. I don't recognize you... the name. What where where have
3: I heard or seen is oh,
2: he's done a
1: lot of his Spider-Man he's a
3: big composer the
1: last three Spider-Man movies uh, the Star Trek movies he did the soundtrack for Uh, Scott Gardner can tell you the guy's entire library Scott loves the guy
3: yeah he's kind of become the John Williams of current movies he he does tons of stuff he's very distinctive sound
1: he did the first Doctor Strange where uh, I guess Elfman did the second one right it makes sense if, if
3: Remy was doing And he did that. Thor,
1: Love, and Thunder. He did that one also.
3: Yeah. Okay. What'd you guys think of it? Brian kind of brought it up, or I'm going to change subject real quick. What'd you guys think of the character of Elsa, um, the Jessica Jones wannabe? I
1: don't, that's what I, I thought at was first. Good. It, it was kind of like it, she made me think a little bit of Jessica Jones just in uh, the look. But the way she acted was almost like Laura. Croft. Exactly. I was thinking of Angelina Jolie's performance in the first Laura Croft movie. And she made me think of that.
3: I, yeah. I think she acted more. I think that's again, made, made me think it was the actress that was, um, who played Jessica Jones. Cause she kind of acted kind of, which was a little bit what took me out of Jessica Jones. I, mean, I enjoyed the series, but her, the, it's either the actress or it's, her take on that character that she was a little abrasive and she kind of put me off. Maybe that was the point. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with this character. She kind of came in. She was reluctant to be there. She was a little smug and uh, I didn't find her a sympathetic character. Not nearly as much as Jack. You know, he's much more, of course he is more sympathetic because he's in a, you know, he's in a, you know, he can't control himself. He's cursed. And he's forced to he's cursed and he's Forced to change. I guess this movie, the Bloodstone can reveal monsters, and he couldn't touch it. He touched it at one point, and it, and it shocked him, or threw him back, and that's what made them realize that he was some kind of a monster. And then they used it to forcibly change him into his uh, werewolf form.
2: Now, let's back up a second. Mm-hmm. Ulysses Bloodstone is dead. He's in some sort of a coffin. The woman of the house, the matron of the house. Was that his wife or consort, and was that the mother of Elsa?
1: I don't think it she was, was, wasn't it? I Didn't she? I don't think she was. Uh, Verusa was the character's name, um, and so now I gotta
3: search, search. She that. might have been. I mean, she seemed like if she wasn't his wife, she was like second in charge of this, uh, because I guess these were all monster hunters, but Ulysses had the Bloodstone. Yep.
1: Yep. Which she's... I okay, guess she could use. Verusse so. Bloodstone. Okay.
3: Okay. So she was the the mother. Um,
2: no. no. Well. Yeah. It doesn't was she yeah. the wife of him?
1: Yeah. Or she was she
3: she's, the
2: mother of Elsa? She's the widow. Not seem to have a mother daughter. Um,
4: what's the word I want? Relationship. Dialectic. Yeah, it might, might have just been the wife, not necessarily the mother.
1: I'm looking at the wiki well, they, the wiki right now for the MCU. It says, Lady Verusu Bloodstone was a monster hunter and widow of Ulysses Bloodstone. After her husband died, she became the leader of his group of monster hunters, carrying out her late husband's orders to give the Bloodstone to whoever was able to defeat and kill Man-Thing in a monster hunt. Yeah. Which is
3: what this... Which is odd. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the book, the Bloodstone was always kind of embedded in his uh, chest. And that's what gave him his longevity and... Uh, he's kind of in the book actually he's kind of a vandal savage I think he was
2: Ulysses he's like,
3: yeah Ulysses he was like three or four thousand years old or more than that and because he wouldn't die he couldn't die because he had blood. That, that fragment of the bloodstone embedded in his chest but didn't she at the end right before the man thing come, kind of crashes down and grabs her and kills her she's going to kill Elsa doesn't she say something like you were always a disappointment or something that, I thought that seemed like they were just estranged, and Elsa was not. I guess at, I don't know if she was actively still a monster hunter anymore. But and I I didn't understand the why they turn Ulysses into some kind of a, uh, a, a Walt Disney kind of Hall of Presidents kind of uh, automaton. Why he uh, you just know for, yeah. made, just made for this, the fun of it.
1: But yeah I guess she's not the mother factor. she's definitely not her mother uh, she's the second wife according to okay. the wiki so that's okay right
4: so I gotta hand it to Harriet Sanson Harris uh, she was great as Veruka or whatever her name is and I'm like who is that who is it and then it then it hit me it's B.B. Glazer from Frasier I was so thrilled it was just like it's perfect casting
3: that's who that was. Yes. <laughs> oh, I did not recognize her at all. I thought she looked like a Oh, uh, who's the Eugene Levy's wife from Schitt's Creek? Oh, um, oh. Catherine. Catherine O'Hara.
1: Is it O'Hara? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For some reason, yeah. it, the mother from she Home Alone. Like yeah, the mother from yeah. Home Alone.
4: <laughs> yeah. Those two have a very similar acting style, and definitely yeah. so. But no, it's it's a uh, BB Glazer, and it's, yeah. it's like. Oh my
3: God, that's, you're perfect for this. That's, yeah. Well, the other characters, I don't think I didn't do any research on this. I I had heard that the 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 black character, they somebody was rumored that that was supposed to be Blade, but I don't know if that's true. It it, I, I
1: thought it was Blade. You know, I, I thought they were trying to represent Blade, but he was called
3: Baraso. Yeah. But I think that's uh, that. Maybe that was early on they wanted that to be Blade, but. You know, he's, they can't introduce him there. They're still trying to get his own movie made. Uh, and I can't, the others, I don't know if they're actual comic characters or not, or if they're just made up.
2: Don't know. Who, who was, who, who was the, uh, Nurse Cratchit? Louise Fletcher. Louise Fletcher. Fletcher? Fletcher? She Fletcher.
3: just passed away. That's who I thought the mother was. Oh. You
2: know, or oh. The,
3: the, the matron. What's yeah. her name? Is it Aunt Baru? <laughs> <laughs> and she got burnt up, too. Yep. Yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, and Louise Fletcher played Kai Wen on Deep Space Nine. Yeah. That's who I was trying to come up with. I didn't know the name. The most evil woman in the Star Trek And she got
3: days. burned up in that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Did she get killed by the Paw Raids?
4: Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, wow. man. Oof. Wow. Deep
3: What do you guys think this means moving forward? Do you think, I'd heard that they might, you know, you said, Brian, that they might make this almost like an anthology. Every every October they're going to have some kind of a introduction into the uh, horror side of Marvel. Um, I think that would be fun. if they're going to try to, you know, will they pepper in Grove by Night in... I don't know where else he would show up, unless he showed up in Doctor Strange or Blade. Um, none of the other movies seem like they would fit.
2: Yeah, I don't see the crossover into mainstream Marvel cinematic universe. But I you know, have he- heard that there will be a once-a-year uh, feature from... from Marvel yeah. or Disney+. Plus, whether they're all going to be horror or whether they'll be mm. interlocking well, remains to, be, to we're, be seen. We're already getting a Christmas
1: special. We're getting a Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special here in December. And mm. and so it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if they've got anything planned for, for next year at Christmas time as well. But hopefully they'll do a Halloween thing like this. This was a blast.
3: Well, it'd be like those issues of Marvel Presents or something where they're trying out the mm-hmm. characters. You yeah. see if it if it sells enough, then they'll give him his own book. You know, that's, that's, where, I that. first,
4: that's where I first heard about Bloodstone. With, was in what Marvel presents one and two before mm-hmm. it became the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, way back when.
3: It'd be interesting if they do. I mean, if they, I don't know if there's any talk about it, but you know, they could import Mo, uh, Morbius from his show. They brought in Peter, and I think they've established that the more Morbius film, Peter Parker, the Peter Parker that we know of is there. That Spider-Man, so uh, he could be brought over. You know, if they're gonna do like a Midnight Suns kind of show with hmm. him and Blade and um, I don't know who. I can't. I wasn't reading those. So I don't know who else was in there. Or they'll do the Legion of Monsters thing, which they seem like they established that with uh, Werewolf with Man. Thing or they just pal around, you know. They seem to be it's like a uh, it's what they call a two hander, you know. It's a it's a, a him and man thing around just living in the woods. It, mm-hmm. It's gonna be hard to say because a lot of Marvel stuff
1: has been pushed back. Uh, this week it was announced that a lot of the stuff got got pushed back a little bit. Uh, the Blade movie is, is right I now, it's, it's on hold. Well, they lost their director, uh, the, the lead actor, uh. I can't remember how to say his name, Masharala Ali. He's talking about isn't he? Well, he's not happy with the script, and so uh, right now it looks like it may be in turnaround, which is a really bad thing for mm.
3: movies. That's not It's not good.
1: Yeah, and, and again, yeah. now, Blade, uh, that did come from... Didn't that come from Spider-Man, or did it come from... Um, no, it came from Dracula. Dracula that's right.
3: It came Dracula. But like,
1: now, Morbius and Venom... Both, of course, came from the Spider-Man books, and are owned by Sony. And yeah, Morbius came from
3: issues ninety-nine and one hundred.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but they're basically no,
3: the- Morbius. Morbius was one hundred one through one hundred three. It wasn't 100? Is nope. it one hundred. Was he introduced in nope, one hundred? No, one hundred right. one. Believe me, uh-huh. I remember
2: this vividly because it drove me right out of comics.
3: Yeah, but I couldn't couldn't stand
2: it. Really, Morbius is what what kicked you out well the combination of the six arms oh and the yeah suspension <laughs> of disbelief it's like that was the cliffhanger at the end of 100 and i was like you're kidding me and so i bought another couple of issues but it was gil kane artwork and it was just i'm sorry i'm getting off on a tangent here no no it's, no, no, no it's, 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 it's,
3: it's great oh artwork oh my
2: god it was terrible i just <laughs> couldn't stand the concept it was so obvious to me that my Marvel was pandering to the mo- to the monster crowd. No offense intended, guys, but it was not what I was buying comics for. It was not superhero, and I didn't feel it had any place in a Spider-Man title. And you know, I gave it like a half year more and by the time they got to the end of the Gog trilogy, um, that was also Gil Kane artwork, I was out of there. It's like forget it. I don't give a damn anymore. Mm. Of course, maybe it's because of the age that I was in you know how old I was, and that I was in high school and developing other interests, but it was just like, like that more than anything else was the end of my interest.
3: Hmm. That's funny. That's the three issues that actually got signed by Stan Lee in Dallas in the
4: eighties wow. when he was there. That's neat.
3: Yeah,
4: I'm sure. So, uh, what did you guys think of the the um, um, Wizard of Oz moment at the end?
2: Puzzled me. <laughs>
4: I, I didn't don't know Don't read into on. why did, first of all did, did you what did you think of that transition
2: well I had the impression that the bloodstone was possessing her or was um, bonding with her in some mm-hmm. fashion but I like the line just before they kind of did that when she's talking to the um, what is it the butler or the of D who says I, I, I live to serve you or something like that I was getting real nervous thinking he was going to be revealed to be a monster and attack her. But then she says, clean up this mess. Yeah, and I was just, like, <laughs> blown away. It was like, oh, what a cocky bitch. <laughs> I mean, I loved it. It was
3: like, ooh, burn. Kirk, we the salty language tonight.
4: I am yeah,
3: tired, guys. It's been a long week. Is that what happens when you get tired? No.
2: I'm among friends. Oh.
4: I thought... I don't I have I a problem the, I thought the transition to color was cool, it was a fun way to do it, and using the Over the Rainbow song was just an homage to uh, the, the the transition of color from black and white to color in the 30s. I didn't even catch that? Yeah, it was really cool. I, I thought it was just a cool I, way. Well, I it.
3: almost expected it to do it earlier on, when they would just start out black and white and then go to color. So I uh, applaud them for sticking with the black and white throughout the whole... That thing. Oh, oh I no. read it is yeah well except for the bloodstone that was kind of a cool. And the cool. eyes.
1: But, but going to color allowed you to true, get a true. really good look at, at Man-Thing and his makeup and you could see the mushrooms on the shoulders and looked like he even had acorns coming out of him in different spots. I mm-hmm. uh, just Yeah that was uh I, I thought that
3: was pretty well, cool. I mean, obviously in this he doesn't need to be too he doesn't need to hang around a swamp for too long because if he's be just living in the woods. But Mm -hmm. if not for that final scene where you see them around the campfire and he's kind of waking up from being the werewolf, I would take the the color change to if she now possesses a bloodstone and it does extend your life, then maybe the black and white was in the past. It becomes color. And that's showing how you've jumped maybe, I don't know, 30 years, maybe from the time of werewolf by night to now. And she hasn't changed because she possesses a bloodstone. But then you Mm -hmm. cut to Man thing and
4: the rest that kind of blows that theory out of the water, right? That would be an interesting take on it. There. That would be. But I, just, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I like. And I liked how they did,
1: did that reveal though when they went from black and white to color because it started with the stone and went through her her jacket, mm-hmm. which was red also.
2: I yeah. have no idea what color her jacket was until they revealed that. You know.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, John. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But did, did any of y'all notice though that Man Thing is playing solitaire when Jack wakes up?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the
1: campfire. Yeah. What's the well,
2: significance?
1: I don't know. I mean, I the thing he just, is, he's, he's supposed was... to be mindless. So the fact that they're they're not you know they're not presenting him as mindless. I mean, he's you know got intelligence. He's got consideration. I mean, he, he makes him a cup of coffee. It
3: made, he knows it,
4: how to use a French press. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he can get coffee from somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, he
3: already grows it. He grows and, it himself. And, 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 In the
4: middle, he, yeah. He grabbed, a, he grabbed a robe on the way out so that Jack would have something to wear. Yeah. In the so, middle like, of the, the thing, uh, when they blow the wall,
2: the thing charges through and takes off. And she cries, wait, and she snatches whatever the, the bloodstone off from him or out of him or what have you. And the last thing that I saw of him was silhouetted as he... Took off for for parts unknown. I was so surprised and caught off guard when he returned. I thought he was out of the picture. I was like, okay, his guest star is over with.
4: Mm-hmm. Was anybody yeah, else that would surprised make sense. by that?
2: Well, I was just surprised
4: when he off. popped in there. Yeah. yeah. Holy smokes! That was a, that was a great great addition. Yeah. Yeah, I was they
3: really could have just... done the same thing if they didn't want to include Man Thing. Because I thought about that when you talking about him running off in the distance, Kirk, and kind of... Uh, the silhouette... I think he hops over something. That, that yeah. reminded me of... Uh, Sasquatch. From yes. That's how he would... That's how he would lope along when he was running and burned during So what if... Instead of man-thing, what if it's Wendigo? And they'd, they'd have to change it so he's not vicious. But, but he could be somebody trapped as uh, Wendigo. Still has intelligence, but he, he's not necessarily... Uh, carnivore that eats everything he can get his hands on.
2: Maybe that'll you, be next, next year's- uh, Maybe. Yeah. Hmm.
3: You guys know the this,
2: this story behind the creation of Man-Thing and Swamp-Thing, don't you? And the amazing coincidence? What We need to cover I, that? I didn't think I it was a coincidence. I
1: thought it was just, they were both companies and they were there was like two years apart, wasn't it?
3: No, Not it was I remember. much
2: closer than that. It was simultaneous and I hope I get this right. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, right in or what have you. But the 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 person who created him, I think it was Len Wein, I'm not sure. Len Wein, yeah. Was
4: but the if writer. he
2: if he pitched it to Marvel, he was sharing an apartment or an art studio with the with the artist who pitched it to D C for Swamp Thing. Was that Bernie Wright's so, so simultaneous maybe simultaneously they both pitched almost identical characters to the big two, and they both took them. And, uh, you know, it's it, you've got to have big cojones. That's the
3: story I've heard. You yeah.
2: thought that, that you were going to get away with that, because then the question is, well, who came up with it, or who cribbed from who? I don't think it's a case of who stole from who. I think they decided to take the, the companies simultaneously for creator rights or, or for cash. Anyway, that's the story that I heard. That's why they appear almost identical in the books, all with some differences, and why they appeared almost simultaneously.
1: And I don't have a problem with either. Fact of the matter is, I like the Swamp Thing series that they had uh, on DC not too long ago. Um, so, I, I, and I was I was
3: pleased with this also. I,
1: I don't know why. I guess I just like muck monsters.
3: <laughs> have you... Have you seen the sci-fi channel movie They Made of Man Thing maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago? No. Is it really good? Not very good, but it's closer to, you know, it gives his origin, you know, you have it's Ted Salas get thrown in the swamp after being doused in chemicals or whatever happens to him, and becomes, uh, oh no, 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 it's not right. Yeah, he dies, but his spirit, like, becomes it's almost like spirit of One with the swamp, and he takes vengeance on the people that killed him—that kind of thing. Um, If you want to read
2: it, if you want to read it, it shows up in Astonishing Tales number 11 and 12 as a black and yellow reprint. um, A couple of pages—I know it very well because that was like the last issues that I I bought of Astonishing Tales. It has Kazar on the front, but. In the thing, there's a flashback to his creation using original cool. art.
3: Yeah, because he started out in a black and white magazine, didn't he? Yeah, I is that's true. Him. And, the
2: and black, then they brought the him over to that comic to, to, to the identify to people who he was and where he came from.
3: Well, the the those black and white mags like the the, the Planet of the Apes, the uh, the Hulk, and I think Dracula had a giant, a big magazine they were a little more adult they don't think they had the comics code to them so they were a little more adult than uh, the comics that you're buying in the thing so his first story is a little more adult graphic than what would become when he came to his own Marvel mag you get an omnibus I've got it, it collects all of it and I think you it all in all of his one, series or three? all of his appearances his, just the two series. He had two series that ran like in the 70s and just collects those. I, don't, I haven't read through it. I don't know if it collects all of it from uh, further appearances, like guest appearances and things. That might yeah. be in there. There's a. I know he appears in a Iron Man Annual, number three, I think, which is a comic that I own that I remember buying when I was a kid, when I wasn't collecting comics, but it's the few times I bought a comic and I remember reading it cover-to-cover, cover, you know, multiple times, so I was super familiar with it, so and some others, because that's, that's with Molecule Man and, or maybe it's a Marvel team-up, no, I think it's it's a just an annual, but it's Iron Man, Mo- Molecule Man, and Man-Thing.
2: That's a weird combination.
3: Yeah, it's uh, the Molecule Man's consciousness is pairing is in his wand, so whoever picks up that wand gets kind of possessed by the Molecule Man, mm-hmm. and at the end, spoilers: uh, the, the Man Thing grabs it, but there's no intelligence for the Molecule Man to latch onto,
0: <laughs> and he kind
3: of dissipates. So the Man Thing saves the day by not having anything for the Molecule Man to possess. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, um, I have to make a correction on the: uh, I said it was, it was Astonishing Tales number 11. I think it was 12. I'm on a uh, the grand comic book database and I'm looking at the cover and there's a footnote saying Man-Thing was last seen in Savage Tales number one of uh, the a reprinted book, uh, the reprinted artwork was from Neil Adams and boy talk about a jigsaw puzzle of putting this story together <laughs> uh, wrote, there's pencils by John Buscema for some pages, Neil Adams for others John Romita source. I mean, it's like, oh boy. It was stitched together. See, I,
1: you know, though, it's funny because I sit there and I think about Man Thing, and the only Man Thing that I actually read was the last issue of his regular series. Of, it went 11 issues. And Chris Claremont wrote it from issue four on to the end before it got canceled. And if the last issue actually had Claremont written into the story Claremont Shooter and uh, whoever the editor was. I think it might have been Renee Wittersetter. I could be wrong now. And then Val Mayer did the artwork on it, and it was a, a, actually a pretty decent story. Uh, and then the only other places that I remember reading Man-Thing was in Marvel Team-Up. So I didn't have this great experience with the character and all the other things he, you know, he was in. Uh, oh, no, 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 that's right. It was in X-Men in the issue right after John Byrne left. Where despair was going after Cyclops and Lee Forrester.
3: Mm. Well, they couldn't. They didn't develop Man Thing like they did Swamp Thing. No. The Swamp Thing had an intelligence. You know, he could think, think to himself. He had, you know, purpose. And Man Thing was just more of a, the shambling mound that just wandered into his situations and sometimes hurt people and sometimes save people. Yeah, so it was. It, it was more. He was more of a. He was like a force in nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's. Well, well, they later established that he was the guardian of the nexus of reality. all realities, yeah. somewhere in which was know, in the Florida. swamp. It would
1: have been interesting yeah. if they'd had Man Thing go up against, say, Wendigo, because in many ways there's a lot of similarities. But because <laughs> I think Ted Salus willingly became Man Thing, whereas in the the X Men story with the Wendigo, the guy that that was a Wendigo willingly became
3: the Wendigo.
2: I didn't get the impression that Ted Salus was willing.
3: Uh, didn't, no, didn't no, it was an accident. It, it was just, just like swamp it was an accident. Oh, okay, yeah. it was an accident. Oh, that's um, right.
1: Somehow, but somewhere, I think that they meant. I thought they mentioned in the in this,
3: in Werewolf by Night that he became it willingly. I could be wrong. Well, there is a later series, maybe from, I don't know, five, six, ten years ago, that he did. He had been cured or separated, and it was not the main thing. And then in some. For some reason, he had to become Man-Thing again to save... I read him, but I can't remember him now. Um, He had to save reality or whatever, so he willingly became Man-Thing again, um, much like Ben Grimm in the Fantastic Four movie. You know, he becomes that. Or in FF number 79,
2: 78, 79, where he chooses to become a thing instead of remaining mm -hmm. as Ben Grimm. That's a familiar theme.
1: Can we go back to the the, the, the special itself, though? Because there's a, a thing yeah. in there. As we're watching it, Christopher was getting, my son was getting distracted by the cigarette burns. And I don't know if you guys oh. caught that. Also, that they, twice in there, they did a cigarette burn. Now, for those that don't know, uh, when you used to go see movies in the theater, there would be a little pop mark that would just pop up on the screen there in the right hand corner, in the corner and it, they they refer to at
2: it at the end of the reel. And
1: yeah, at the end of the at the end of each reel to let you know, to let the projectionist know, it's time to change to the there next come. reel. And they refer yeah, to that ready. as a cigarette Now I learned that term in Fight Club. Uh, Brad Pitt is Tyler Durden talking about that, talking about how he was doing that. But my old roommate in college, he used to do that same job too. And yeah, he's kind of freaky that way,
3: but. I learned that from a Columbo episode from second or third season called Make Me a Perfect Murder, where the whole case revolves around those. It's because a projector just tells him that's what that means, mm-hmm. that when you see those. And he calls it a flash. He says flash. Right. And right. he knows he's got to flip the other projector.
1: Yeah, and they're 15 minutes apart.
2: Exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
2: I'll have to go back and watch this special again
3: now. I tried to watch it. meant to watch it again, but I was me being kind of sick. And I just didn't have time. Um, <laughs> it's a perfect time to watch
4: stuff like this.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. what
4: I was thinking. You, <laughs> up, you have
2: a hot toddy and, you know, oh, um, honey, I don't feel real well. I'm going to watch the <laughs> werewolf by night.
4: Yeah.
3: We've been watching, we watched werewolf, uh, Curse of Werewolf last week. And then I watched um, Dracula's Daughter's last weekend. Mm. Hammer. Yeah. Old Hammer uh, film. Yeah. Okay. With the blonde... Okay. the blonde... It's not Dracula, but it's called Dracula's Daughters, but it's got a blonde
4: vampire. I've got to get back into, uh, My... My, uh... My watching stuff. I'm a little bit late. First, of course, has got to be the Charlie... Or... or among them, of course, has got to be the Charlie Brown... Halloween. Um, Halloween special. Mm. Because we got to sit in the Great Pumpkin patch.
3: <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah. We watched uh, American Werewolf last week, too. I, I just did some oh, checking nice. here.
1: Now, Kirk Thatcher, the guy that we were talking about at the beginning, he the uh, Jovan, and he was the one that was in Star Trek. He also appeared as punk on the street in Spider Man Homecoming. So, and it was hmm. a direct reference to his role in Star Trek, The Voyage Home. Hmm. So, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Crazy. Now, when, <laughs> uh, Elsa came in and she was talking to Varusa. They are having a conversation in the hall. Did you catch the murals that were on the wall in the background?
2: Probably, but I can't remember what they were. Were about the murals or the monsters? The the
1: murals,
3: because one of them was Gore, the god butcher from Thor Love and Thunder. Hmm, I didn't. I was looking at because somebody said with the the heads they had in the wall, they said, now we know what a vampire looks like in the MCU. Because it was very bat-like but so maybe that's what they look like and we ever get blade, or they look more human
4: hmm. Was some fun stuff it was
3: yeah it was fun i'm glad you guys liked it i uh, you know i just enjoyed a little less but uh i gave them all kinds of props for doing something different you know making a one yeah. shot making it black and white making it really kind of really trying to nail the atmosphere um and the creepiness of the old universals, uh, that kind of claustrophobic feel, that you know it was all shot in the back lot. It wasn't actually shot anywhere in the actual woods or anything. So I think they captured that look
1: yeah. and feel.
3: Yeah, um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I would call it a
1: success. I'll give you one other bit of trivia here that you might find interesting. Man, Thing has actually been mentioned before in the um, in, in the Marvel uh, universe. Theatrical, cinematic, whatever. Can you guess where? Uh, Was it
3: a joke? Did they use the name man thing?
2: Uh, They mentioned Ted Salas. Oh. Oh, I remember that drop in some place. My ears perked up, but I don't remember where.
1: It was an an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I I shouldn't have said cinematic universe, because that's Um, TV,
3: you know. But um, Maria Hill talked about him. Yeah,
1: Maria Hill talked about him.
3: Interesting. That's just them pulling names and dropping them in there. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I would, I would like to see Werewolf Jack, Jack, Jack Russell or whatever they, whatever they're gonna call him.
1: I'm sorry. I'm bad. Calling but him like Jack him. Russell is so hilarious considering a Jack Russell Terrier is a breed of dog. Oh, I was gonna that's, say
3: that. That's why they, that's why they call him Jack Russell. <laughs> <laughs> um. Which maybe they're going to shy away from that because I guarantee if they ever bring back Man Thing, they will never call him Man Thing. They're calling Ted. Um, but I like to see Werewolf come back by himself. Some kind of story with him, without him teaming up with Man Thing. and want just a good the um, uh, Werewolf story. You know, he, maybe he, we always thought that he was going to show up in Moon Knight. And if there's a second, are they picking up Moon Knight for a second season? They are, right? I have not heard.
4: Yeah, I think, so. I, think. I think they are.
3: Yeah, so he can show up in that. I mean, that's a perfect place to put it. Someone him. needs to ask Kevin.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you mean K-E-V-I-N? No, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin Feige. <laughs> no, K-E-V-I-N. That's the one who runs everything.
3: That's right.
2: Uh, you know, when that first dropped, I was thinking that we were going to do a,
4: a riff on MODOK. But that's mm-hmm. where that was headed, but... We're,
3: talk uh,
1: we're
4: not about talking that. about that right no. now. We're talking about that in- we can tune that into another show.
3: That's coming soon. Yeah. Very soon. So a podcatcher near you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, is there anything else you guys well, uh, have to say on this one? Or?
3: No, I think yeah, we've done, just, covered it thoroughly.
2: I'm I'm surfing the internet right now, and tonight on Sven the tingler is on at 8 o'clock.
3: Oh, Vincent mm. Price.
2: Yeah. A classic.
3: Good movie. Good movie.
4: That's yeah. a whim- so far, I've listened to um, a podcast. Uh, I think it was on the Fire and Ice Network, and I've seen lots of chatter on uh, Facebook and whatnot. And overwhelmingly, overall, it's positive for Werewolf by Night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People have little nitpicks here and there, but I think people are always going to have nitpicks about this or that. But overall, um, it's been positive and I'm really happy to see that because, uh, yeah. i really enjoyed it. So I don't want to be in the minority on this one. No.
3: Yeah. I mean, my, my disagreements with it are, I would call it nitpicks. They're not big, um, big concerns. They're not like other stuff. that's like, Oh, I've really, really changed the character around. Um, and the fact that they got him so close to the character in the book and his look, um, I really enjoyed. I mean, it's, if he'd have been in color here he probably i'd, I'd made sure he's wearing green pants that's what he always wore <laughs> just like banners purple pants mm-hmm. um, hmm. uh, Yeah. no anything final guys i think we've done a pretty good job of yeah a lot of fun it. yeah it was fun shame david could not join us
4: yeah yeah well what did our listeners think send us send it in
1: email us at gotta get uh, yeah, so, at you know, gmail.com or our
4: Facebook yeah, group. we want to know what you thought. Or give us a, a review
1: on uh, yeah. Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes.
4: Oh, and, and, and in case anyone wants to know how this connects to John Byrne, well, he did a commission of Werewolf by Night One, so there.
1: Well, he also...
3: Ah. Pretty good it too. He did. <laughs> pretty good one, I like it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> didn't he draw one of the Man-Thing episodes, uh, issues? Or was he also in Marvel 2 and one
4: Oh, see, yeah. you know, I didn't look for um, Man-Thing references... But um, possibly. Now we have some homework. Now we have some homework.
2: Yep,
0: yep, yep, yep.
2: Well, I'll be able to share with you the cover for Astonishing Tales 12. It, one of the reasons why it's burned in my memory so well, because I was buying comics off the spinner racks and losing track of what I'd already purchased, and then I finally just gave it up altogether. About eight years later, I went back to my, my parents' house and in the closet, where those last issues that I'd bought off the spinner rack were there. I had three mint copies of this particular issue that I was talking about that I had unintentionally bought again and again and again as a Marvel zombie, not realizing I'd Hmm. already bought it. And I had two brand new mint copies of Avengers 100. Wow. So, uh, well, I sold them on the internet, I'm pretty sure. They're long gone.
1: Marvel Team-Up 68 was Spider-Man and the Man-Thing, written by Chris Claremont, drawn by John Byrne, inked by Bob Wyattshire. All right. So, yeah, one whole issue there devoted to Man-Thing, and we all lost it. And again, it uh, involves the uh, the character of Despair, the one that was also in X-Men 144.
3: Um, That's um, probably why.
1: And John Byrne, of course, drawing yeah. drawing him, you know,
3: just awesome awesome so uh maybe, maybe we'll, we'll have to cover that that would be a perfect it. companion piece to this yeah absolutely yep. uh, as another you know maybe it's uh if it's a little closer to Halloween we'll uh we can that'd be a good good issue to cover
1: righty well yeah. yep cool. anyway so all right guys. I think we've got everything covered here we've told everybody how to how to get a hold of us please write us let us know what you think what you feel what you want. At any of those places, and you know, send us your, your recipes, send us your dirty limericks, send us whatever. We'd love Bye. to hear from you. For third degree burn, we've got over here John Hyatt. Say goodnight, John.
4: Good night, John.
1: Kurt Greenfield. Good night, guys. Tim Elliott. Good night. And I'm Brian Hughes. That's <laughs> right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back real, real soon, probably with our She Hulk coverage.
0: I'm gonna
1: Just want to watch
0: the world burn.